With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To the Rutgers rant. I'm Steve Politi from NJ Advance Media. Joined as always, Keith Sargent, James Cratch. Fellas, we've got a lot to do today. We're going to break down the gut-wrenching loss to Illinois for the Scarlet Knights. We're going to talk about the big game coming up against Michigan. We're even going to go and dive into the basketball season here at the end of this podcast. But I think right away, we just need to go right in because it's an old-fashioned, good American college football quarterback controversy in Piscataway now that Greg Schiano decided with one answer he was going to put the kibosh on today. Direct question, if he thought he was going to open up the competition between Noah Vedrill and Art Sikowski, he not only said no, which I expected him to say, I think we all expected him to say, but he said no, and then felt like he had to add context, which I thought was interesting, Sarge. I mean, he, he had to point out, he pointed out the fact that, you know, that this offense and what it's doing against Big Ten competition is the best that they've had since they've been in the Big Ten. Uh, the fact that they're moving the ball, and he wanted, to, he wanted to sort of put that in perspective, which is interesting. I mean, really, I think he was trying to get the statement out to fans that, hey, you know, well, let's look at the big picture here and not look at one bad second half for Noah Vedrill. And I agree. And, and he, here's why, okay? And I wrote about it the other day. He had a terrible, brutal stretch of, four, you know, within four series, he threw three interceptions, all three of them. As Cratch pointed out in his film review, which at this point, Steve, you got you to gotta say, like, great American literature. Like, yeah. you know, I'm thinking of, like, Steinbeck, you know, you know Grapes of Wrath, um, Scarlet Letter, something no like the film review at this point is probably up there. You know, the point Ralph is that, Waldo Emerson, I was thinking, actually. Yeah, it, it, it's right right up there. Okay. So, as Cratch kind of pointed out, you know, those, all three of those interceptions were, were, were on Vedral. Um, Nothing else. Not on I'm the not sure about that, out. by the way. I, I, I think, there was, I think on, the, on, the, on the third one, Shameen Jones was out of position. I will, I, that's on that route. That's what a couple of people have told me, too. They believe. But go on. I mean, your point being that. Yeah, it was double coverage, though. I mean, it was, you know, he was, you know, there were two defenders in that area. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're talking about just the same thing with the, the, the pass that goes off a, a line where there was a lot of traffic there. Right. So pretty bad decision, you know, in my opinion. All that being said, you know, you have to look at the sum of, of, of the offense. The, the pass offense has been down there with the bottom of the option uh, teams you know, over the last, uh, you know, four or five years. I'm not. 100% confident. I know Bo Melton, you know, it looks like an all Big Ten receiver. I'm not all that confident that there's all that many playmakers beyond Bo Melton. So, you know, he's also dealing with that issue. All things being said, I'm a big 
you know, accuracy guy. And I know people are going to say, well, seven interceptions and, and, you know, that's going to be the thing that's going to get him hooked uh, before anything else. Right. He's still hovering at like 62, 63% uh, for, uh, for the season. I think he knows what, he, you know, Sean Gleason's offense is all about. I think he's a good fit for the offense. And again, I just don't know if Art Sikowski at this point is a cure-all. You know, I, I, I think there's a chance that, like I said, if those interceptions keep on popping up, that uh, Shiano could have a hook. I just don't know if, if now's the right time. All right. Now, now, Cratch, I think I, I'm pretty sure you feel exactly opposite on this, that this is probably a good time to do it. So go ahead. We'll pretend we're having a, a late presidential debate here, and I'll <laughs> give you the floor. I'm going to mute Sarge for three minutes. Go ahead. and You, you give the other side of this. So when Vegel got named the starting quarterback, you know, the word kind of outside out of the program was there were a few reasons why I did it. He was more of a rushing threat, you know, than Art. You know, the offensive line was going to struggle, and they expected to be a lot of protection issues. So Vegel with his feet can kind of move around in the pocket and make things happen. And the third thing was, he's going to make better decisions. He's not going to turn the ball over. Well, he's not really running the ball as, as a rushing threat. The offensive line has been better than we expected, and kudos to them. And the decision-making has been poor. So I guess at this point, if you are willing to use three different kickers, if you're willing to change linebackers, to change guards, even though we, I didn't see any reason that maybe think, okay, Sam Bretman has to be benched this week for Brian Felter. If you're making all these changes, why would you not make a change at quarterback when the reasons why you went with Edgewell in the first place seem to have kind of been, you know, check, check, check. They're not really the way we thought it was going to be going into the year. Art looks good in that cameo against Ohio State before the fumble. I know that's a, a big caveat. Before the fumble? He did fumble the ball, though, right? No, he did. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying – I'm just saying <laughs> I think that what it comes down to is this Rutgers offense is better – than they have been in recent years. I don't think it's the best offense they've had since they joined the Big Ten. I, 2014, 2015, they were top half of the Big Ten in offense and maybe didn't have a lot of success in 2015, obviously. I just look at it as you need to stretch the field more vertically. Art has shown – look, one of the things I think goes into this for fan perspective is every time they see Art over the last two years, he's looked better. Agreed. You know, and the other thing too, and I think it's it's a great week, actually, great timing that we're having this discussion uh, as we go into the Michigan game. You know, if Art doesn't see the field this year, he's probably going to be in a position to graduate. He's going to have two years of eligibility left. You never want to speculate about a future, but it's hard to see Art, you know, being the quarterback here long term if he doesn't get a chance to play this year. And look, he's going to end up at Michigan or Alabama or someplace like that because the kid has got talent and he's got potential. No one's ever denied that. It's just been, can he put it all together in the field? So, yeah, I just think at this point in the season, you're one and three. You have winnable games up ahead. Your offense has been better, but it, it's still not clicking fully. We know what Vedrill is. It's his fourth year in college. He's basically a finished product. We don't know what Art is yet. This is a developmental program, a developmental year. I feel like you got to give Art a chance at some point just to satisfy what you have there before you move into the offseason. Yeah, I, I think the counterpoint to what you're saying here is that I, I think they have a very good idea of what art is. And that's, and that's sort of what we're forgetting, that, that you know, we did see – I know he's a freshman. I know he's a young player. Uh, we saw a lot of him. We saw him holding onto the ball too well through, what was it, 18 interceptions as his freshman year. The turnovers, the mistakes, uh, you know, I mean, I, I – and the one telling thing that Shiano did say as well, 
he makes this decision. He talks to his quarterback coach and he talks to his offensive coordinator to get the feedback. And, and I, he, I will add this. And this is really interesting, Sarge. You know, he didn't say like, oh, look, we, we stewed on this for, for hours and hours. He said it wasn't that hard of a decision to make. That was, that, was a, that was a telling comment too, which leads me to believe that, you know, Vedral won this job, you know, almost right from the beginning. This wasn't as close a competition as we made it out to be. And there's something that's happening here in practice that, that we're, we haven't seen that, and the, it gives you every idea that for what they believe this offense can do, they think Vedral's the best option. I'm not saying he's the perfect option. I think they think he's the best option, Sarge. It's, it's not like he hasn't been down this uh, road before. I mean, right. 2008, right. Uh, you know, Don Natale was, was nipping at, at, you know, at Mike Teal. He, he stayed with Mike Teal as long as he could. 2005, uh, like, uh, you know, with, with, between Ryan Hart and, and Mike Teal, um, you know, even his final year, as I wrote the other day, 2011, you know, he, he, he uh, put Gary Nova as a true freshman and, you know, pretty much split time with Chase Scott. So he has had a history of, 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 uh, of pull, pull, pulling the plug on, on his quarterbacks. That's what leads me to believe if, if he's that standing by, by no federal, if he's that sure of it, that he probably see, sees more than, than we do. It, look, it's the nature of the beast, right? Fans are, are going to, you know, probably now more than ever, but certainly they were, you know, back in 2008 when they were calling for Mike Teal's head, uh, you know, the most accomplished quarterback in Rutgers history, history, mind you. People were booing him. You know, I can't even imagine if there were fans in the stands what they would have been doing, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, in the second half again, you know, the other day against Illinois. It's the nature of the beast. Fans are always going to call for quarterbacks. Some columnists. I mean, I, I do know some columnists who have uh, called for, for, back, for, for, for quarterback changes, seems, too. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anybody who would have done I, I know one. Like I, I yeah. forget I, the guy's uh, yeah. name kind of slips my mind. But it's the nature of the beast. I get it. But, you know, I, I, I kind of think that, you know, Graciano, you know, is pretty confident in that decision right now. And, and, and the bigger picture, too, Cratch, about this, we wouldn't be talking about Noah Vedral being replaced if this defense, you know, on a third and long could, could keep that quarterback, Isaiah Williams, for Illinois inside the pocket. I mean, you know, they're up 20 to 10, moving the ball well. You know, this is a game they should have won with, with even a decent defensive performance. I think the, 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 it's easier to pick and look at the quarterback, but, you know, it, he, you can make an argument that the offense wasn't the bigger problem for the team in that game. Do you disagree? Oh, no, I, I don't disagree. I, I thought the run defense w- was abysmal. I mean, I, I was sitting there at the stadium, and I was like, you know, did, did Chris Ash and Andy Booth sneak back on the sideline? I mean, it, it was atrocious. <laughs> oh, man. No, I, it, it was atrocious. Some rugby tackling was happening out there. That's what it was. I mean, had some rugby the tackling, tackling was horrible, the, 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 the discipline, you know, the penalties. And what I come back to is, you know, I know Shiana said after the game, you know, hey, it's an option run defense. It was, but it wasn't. You know, there was right. not a lot of, you know, misdirection or option there were some option plays in there but a lot of it was just student body right student body left with Isaiah Williams you know I and I come back to I wrote this in the film review Illinois has run all over Rutgers for three years now with the same offensive coordinator with basically the same scheme oh 875 rushing yards in the last three games that's a season for some teams in college football in 2020. So yeah, it was abysmal. It was, it was, it was atrocious effort, you know, against the run. And I go back to 12 seconds left. Isaiah Williams had a great game. He's not a great passer for that guy to get that prayer throw off to put them in field goal range. When all you got to do is just keep them in front of you and they're going to go to overtime. 
unacceptable for Rutgers. Right. And, and yeah, and, and for all the scrutiny that was going on to Sean Gleason, you know, if you have to look at, you have to look at Rob Smith, who, as many people have pointed out to me, the longtime fans have pointed out to me, there were some defensive problems against running quarterbacks during his first stint here uh, going way, way back. So that's another issue. But sorry, I, wanna, I, I do want to address Gleason for a minute because I, I was sort of <laughs> nothing short of amazed. And this is social media. I get it. People are venting. They lose in the game. They get angry, frustrated. I am really sort of amazed that, you know, the scrutiny he's getting already uh, from the fan base. You know, I thought he was nothing, you know, short of brilliant in the season opener, given this, the way this offense has looked again the previous three years. I agree with you, Crash, that, it, it, you know, it was probably better early in 2014 and 15, but last three years it's just been an absolute dumpster fire. You know, Gleason's creativity, his play calling, his misdirections, you know, using his personnel, getting the most out of guys like Melton and finding roles for, for different guys. I think he's been great. And I, the fan base seemed to lose their minds because of one call or a couple calls in that game. They did. And, and, and it's kind of, again, talking about nature of the beast, it's just kind of, you know, this is a program that's had 11 offensive coordinators in, in, in as many years. And some I mean, doozies, too. I mean, some bad ones. Woo! Man, Drew Merringer? I mean, Jerry killed for all yep. This is the first time they're at, they, they're, there seems to be a plan and that, you know, they, everyone's on the same page. It feels like, you know, there, there's some, some, some cohesion here. Right. You know, and again, until, until we, you know, we, we really know for sure whether there, there's enough playmakers. I can't really fault the offensive coordinator. However, I will say that play, and I get what Greg Ciano saying, you know, after the game when, when I asked him, you know, about that call talking about hindsight that if you make that play then you're looking about oh you're giving him credit for being aggressive I disagree I do think that there it showed a, a complete lack of confidence in the kicker which I completely understand at you know 1259 on, on, on Saturday no one had ever even heard of Valentino Ambrosio and now all of a sudden Rutgers fans are like oh you, you know you know he, he kicked two field, uh, you know kicked the two field goals at an extra point how do you, you not know? trust the Ambrosio yeah, yeah come on so I, they would have had a shot <laughs> they would have had to pass the ball at some point I'm pretty confident in that you're at the 37 yard line I don't think you needed to do it at that point it kind of spoke to and you know we were, we were texting during during the game you know that it spoke to you know that I think he went away from the running running game a little bit too much throughout the course of the game, and certainly in that situation, probably at first and ten, I would have much rather preferred to see Isaiah Pacheco get his number called again. It seemed like he was hot at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think overall, you know, we're looking at the the full body work. Isaiah Pacheco had a great game. Uh, you know, a week ago, Minnesota had 325 rushing yards against Illinois. Clearly, that was a weakness. I would have much uh, rather preferred a first and 10 in that situation. Run the ball. Don't throw it unless you have to. Uh, chances are they probably would have had to throw, throw the ball because you would have needed some more yards to get into a more comfortable field goal range. But, you know, again, Sean Gleason's taken a lot of uh, you know, abuse on social media and, you know, is kind of you know, the nature of the beast at this point. Cratch, right. go ahead. Here's what I'm going to say, though. Like, I don't blame the fans for reacting that way because – and I think Greg kind of mentioned this after the game. I asked Steve when you asked him the question. Rutgers should want expectations. It's healthy. Right. It's, it's healthy. healthy. Yeah. I mean, Rutgers is a real-life college football team now. I think the guys at the RU Screw podcast put it best. They're no longer like a historically unspeakably bad college football team. They're just a bad college football team. They're normal. They suck That's normal. Like Pinocchio now. They suck normal. Hey, no, it's just like it. there should be expectations. They're a Big Ten football team in New Jersey. People should be angry when they have all those self-inflicted errors in a game they should have won and they lost. 
That's how it works. They're like Pinocchio. They're, I'm a real boy. No, I, I'm 100% serious. Like, I, the fact of the matter is that, like, a year and a half ago, that no one at Rutgers would even, like, discuss any sort of, like, plan or philosophy that involved winning a football game. You know, it was all just like, oh, the plan, the process, this, that. But no one ever wanted to say, we'd like to score more points than the other team on Saturday. That's not the case anymore. There's a goal. There's a vision. There's an effort. Everyone's pulling in the same direction to accomplish something. So, yeah, the fans should be angry because Rutgers should have won that football game on Saturday. They should be 2-2, two and two, and they should be sitting here thinking, we're going to beat Michigan and put the stake in Harbaugh's heart. And, and go to a bowl game, potentially. And now they're not because they let a game slip away. Wow. I love that fiery Cratch. Cratch yeah. just fired up, bringing the heat. All right. Let's go into true or false here because I got a couple of things. I want to see how you guys feel about the direction of this season. So we're going to start right away. You know the rules. I'll give you a statement. You tell me if it's true or false. We'll discuss later. First one, true or false. Rutgers will not win again. Cratch, true or false? False. Sarge. False. Oh, you're both confident in that. I'm not so sure, but we'll get to the next one. True or false, Rutgers will only win one more game. Cratch, true or false? False. Wow. Sarge? False. Oh, okay. Well, let's keep going then. <laughs> true or false, Rutgers will win exactly two more games. True. <laughs> true, true. true, true. You think true. they're going to win two more games? All right. We're going to go back and talk about that. That's interesting. True or false? Michigan minus nine. Too low. Crash. Oh, true. True. Okay. True. That's a very low line. It is considering the average score is something like 45 to nine the last few years. 51, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, 51 7. 51 7, really? Wow. Okay. Uh, true or false? This is the last time Jim Harbaugh will come to Piscataway unless he's shopping at the Woodbridge Mall. True or false? Cratch. False. Okay. Sarge? Do, do they have khakis at the Woodbridge Mall? No, I don't think no. so. They have a Macy's there, right? I think they do. Eric LeGrand had his thing there one year, didn't I? I remember shop walking around that mall. All right. True or false? Um, true. So you think he's done? Interesting. Right. Well, I mean, coming back to Piscataway, right. he has two years left on his contract. Oh, it's true. So good point. Well, good distinction. Years. True or false? This run defense would have been fine had Brendan White played. The star safety was out for the game. Cratch, true or false? False. Okay. Sarge? False. Yeah, I don't think one player would have made a difference either. Uh, true or false, the situation with the rotating kickers is a concern. Cratch? False. It, it's just weird. It is weird. Sarge? True. Okay. You, you, you have a walk-on from the, from, from the men's soccer team who no one ever, ever even heard of. And, that is strange. And, you know, he, look, he kicked, kicked the ball well. But, I mean, you know, I don't know if – I think you're back to the point where, you know, anything inside of 40 yard, yards, you're, 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 you're probably not confident. So, right. yeah. you know, that's a problem. I, I will say this, though. I would have really been intrigued to see – well, I mean, I'm sure, I, I don't, I'm sure they would have scalded with Ambrosia, but I think there's a big difference between talking about this guy gives us the best chance to win and, all right, the ball's here. It's a 40-yard field goal to beat Illinois last play of the game, and you've got Justin Davidovich sitting on the sideline, and yeah. you're going to go with this guy that we just heard about five minutes ago. Well, you can't change in the middle of the game. You no, you can't, but like, I'm just saying that would have been a big moment. It would have been a big moment. I would have really wanted to see that moment, too. That's why I thought they were barreling toward. It would have been a great, uh, easy, easiest column in the history of uh, the world if the, the kid with the uh, 
just awesome Italian name. Let's be honest. That's my main motivation there. Uh, all right, let's get back to you guys both think they're going to win two more games. Where are those two more wins? I'll start. They're beating Penn State. They're not beating Penn State. No, there, is Penn no State? Da- no, there, there is no doubt in my mind. Like, you know, Shiano says it's a one-game season. Like, it truly is a one-game season. If you beat Penn State this entire season – that's all anyone's ever going to remember. It's, it becomes an iconic moment where there's going to be a picture and they're going to slap it up in the Hale Center somewhere, you know, probably in the lobby. It, it's, it's a, it's a program-changing moment, in my opinion. I don't care how bad Penn State's record is. The cathartic nature of that win to beat Penn State, you know, and I've always said the day Rutgers beats Penn State, that's when it becomes a rivalry because the Penn State fans can suddenly are going to have to worry about Rutgers moving forward. I just think it's a moment where Shiano is going to be able to channel all the team's energy into that game. Penn State is ripe for the taking. I think they win that game. Okay, and that's uh, one. <laughs> the other one, I think it's, it's, it's Maryland. I, I thought they were going to beat Maryland going into the season after seeing the way they defended on Saturday. I don't feel good about that just because Maryland's offense is like a better version of Illinois. Uh, but I do think that the way things appear to be shaping up around the conference, they're going to get a win- winnable crossover game, maybe against Minnesota. So I, I say, I'll say the crossover game is their, second, is their second win to go to three and six, but I could see them beating Maryland and losing the crossover game. Sarge, where are your two wins coming from? I'm going to go Purdue, and that's because Purdue. home field advantage doesn't matter anymore. So okay. I, yeah, I'm going to give them, give them Purdue, and I'm going to give them Maryland. All right. So you think the two, yeah, the two more likely, the leap, not against the powerhouse yep. typical and then, program. Yeah. Like Crash said, I mean, if they play Minnesota or play another, you know, you know, a winnable game, you know, they win that game, then they, you know, we're going to be uh, going to the pinstripe ball. Wow. Here, here's okay. the other thing about Penn State. The last two years, they have been surprisingly competitive. Have they really? Mm. All right. Trace McSorley was banged up, and I think it was twenty to seven. And, and right. you know, if, if the Philly special works out, it would have been a game. And That's then last true. year they were pretty competitive for a little while in Happy Valley. Again, Penn State had injuries at quarterback. But, I, yeah, I just think that this is a year where that's the moment for this team right. is to beat Penn State. It's, it's right there for them. Here, here's my concern right now that I totally believe, and I've watched these games, that Penn State and Michigan are not good. That's obvious. I don't think this is a statement. I'm just one, I am just, the thing that concerns me is this is the kind of year where they're not, they're not as good as they've been. They're not, but, but they still are more talented. There's a reason why Michigan's favored by nine. Like, I don't disagree with that. And I think Penn State could be favored by nine if they come in here winless. And it's a situation where Purdue and Maryland are just a little better than they've been. So we, you could be a situation. You, you could be facing a, a, a second half of the season where they play these four teams, uh, and it could be competitive each game, and they could lose all four. That's the that is the negative side of that coin. Crash, no, you're shaking your head. I can see that. I mean, look, I agree with you on Michigan. I maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm crazy. I tend to think Michigan is not as bad as we think they are. They just have had a, a, a tough stretch where they played a rivalry game where, where weird things happen, and they played Indiana and Wisconsin who were just better. Right. You know, I think there's a very good chance that Michigan's going to get well all of a sudden, and they're going to end the year you know, with four, five, six wins, and Harbaugh gets his extension, and it's almost like this never happened. But Penn State, I just think between being 0-4 and, and having guys opt out, I just don't know. I think feel like the talent level may have been dragged down to the point where Rutgers can 
feasibly beat them, but I don't think that's the case with Michigan. Well, at least we are in a situation where we can actually talk about that as a possibility, as you said earlier. All right, let's dive into some Rutgers insider questions. As always, gents, I really appreciate and uh, the fact that we have so many people who are subscribing uh, and it keeps on growing each week. If you want to get part of the into the action, nj.com slash insider you get text to your phone you get to ask questions to us and uh and when they lose i sit there and sit there with a gin and tonic and i will uh, i will offer free therapy which i was doing to several people on the tech service on saturday night all right let's dive in um uh do we have any tight ends a, a, a texter wants to know seems like we don't have anyone capable of getting open in the middle of the field so we can get away from this horizontal passing game with occasional successful pay, fade patterns crash this is a great question why don't they have someone who can just move the change 15 yards in the middle of the field one of the answers is they had someone that guy now plays <laughs> lincoln nebraska yeah, uh, right, that's true yeah, yeah. no I, it, it's an issue like I, I wrote this in my film review going into the offseason they got to find a tight end to transfer portal i don't know if it's health or, or what with jonathan Lewis, but it hasn't clicked with him. Uh, Giovanni Haskins has been kind of hit or miss, which is about what you expected. You know, was, you know, he was always a solid number two tight end, you know, in his college career, but never a breakout star. You know, Matt Alimo just hasn't developed the way I think he probably would have hoped he would have as a, as a four-star recruit coming out of high school. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. Travis Vokalek in this offense would have been tremendous, but he, you know, he left, he's at Nebraska and, and they got to find an answer there. Um, I look, I will say this. I do think that they should, try to use potentially Langan at tight end. You know, I, I've ma- stated my case many times. I think it, we saw it again on Saturday. The Langan package just, I, I don't really see what they're accomplishing at this point. I mean, a third and eight sweep with him. I know they had to check into it, but I mean, no, who thought that was going to work? So, but you know what? If the, the, the kid has tremendous athletic ability, put him at tight end, see what he can do. Right. And then that was one of the next questions I was going to go right to. Uh, my question is, why don't they try a pass? with Langan in the game in some of those situations. It's obvious to all defenses now that he's going to run. Mix it up a little bit and run Pacheco more. Sarge, I mean, I guess we've, we've talked about this package. We all fell in love with it the first game. Second game was sort of like, okay, second date wasn't as good as the first. Uh, and I kind of agree with Kratz that, you know, I know they did, they did get a big first down late in that, in that game against Illinois, but for the most part, you know, like it was just breaking up the rhythm of the offense. What do you think? So I do think that they've been trying to build up to it. And, but I do come back to, you know, I'm a big stat guy, as you know, big fact, fact guy, you know, I like facts and I like stats. Right. And, you know, Johnny Langan has completed all five of his passes, right. For a total of minus one yard, which is basically impossible. He does have a touchdown, but he's, he's five for five for minus one yard, which is unbelievable. Right. So, and then you go back to last year, you, you know, he was a quarterback for, but, you know, he was a, like a 50% passer. So I don't know if, you know, if that's going to be your, your, your solution. I do think, you know, we've seen enough of this package, you know, not just at Rutgers, but, you know, across college football, where I don't think it's going to be that big of a surprise, you know, if and when that they do throw the ball out of it. Again, I think that it's probably in there. Greg Shiano's hinted about it. But ultimately, I don't think that's going to be the, 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 the cure-all. I think the best part of the Johnny Langan package is he's the really hard-nosed runner. He was, you know, he showed it last year. There were times last year where we said, you know what, it's never pretty, but he is a hard-nosed uh, – he always goes forward. You know, more than you could say about other running backs on the team. Like, he just, you know, 
does what you need to do out of it, right? You know, you're not trying to get to, to break to, to, to you break the game open. You're trying to get a first down at that, that point, and he generally has a nose for the first down. All right, next question, and this, this, is, this is a good one for you, Cratch. Why did we not have a spy on Illinois' quarterback the whole time, knowing his passing was horrible and they mainly run the ball? I think the sad part about this question is that they did somewhat in the film review. Do you see this? And, and, they did. And so, all right, so play that one forward, too, knowing that we're going to have another running quarterback. You know, what went wrong here and what's the solution next week? Yeah, so I, they did. Like, I, there was one play in particular. I can't remember exactly when in the game where Tyreek Maddox Williams was a spy and just kind of got sucked into the. You know, I think they pulled the guards opposite the play. He got sucked into that. Just couldn't get back to to make the play, and Williams kind of took off. I mean, I think part of it's an athleticism personnel issue at linebacker. You know, I think that. Oh, is having a tremendous year. Tyshawn Fogg's having a good year, but they're kind of bangers. You know, they don't necessarily have that rangy guy who can go sideline to sideline. So I think that's a problem. Uh, you know, I think, look, they'll probably keep doing a spy look. I mean, I, I also think the tackling up front has to be better because they were getting penetration in the backfield. They just weren't kind of making plays there. And then once they got past that first level, that's where they were able to kind of make one guy miss and it was over. So I think they'll use a spy more, but they're going to have to do more than a spy just because they cannot rely upon that. And I do think they miss Brennan. Is Brennan White going to be back this week? Do we know? Uh, Shiano said he doesn't know. It sounds like um, he didn't explain what the injury was, but it sounded like he suffered injury against Ohio State. He was able to practice throughout the week, and then he kind of aggravated it to the point where he couldn't play. You know, it sounds like on on Thursday or Friday. So they don't really know what his status is going to be for this week. Gotcha. All right. uh, Here's one for you, Sarge. Which players, player, players, if any, would you project as NFL draft picks? I imagine having more recent players in the NFL will help recruiting. Well, I will say this. I was watching the the Ravens-Patriots game last night, and there was one moment when Devin McCourty tackled Gus Edwards on the sidelines, and I'm like, oh, I mean, there's still still some guys out there. Uh, What do you think, Sarge? How many players would you project right now as pros on this team? Yeah, um, you know, Pros or will be in camps, probably two different uh, conversations. Right, in camps, I think. I think, yeah. I think 03 is you know, going to probably be their, their top uh, draft pick. I could see him going, yep. you know, fourth, fifth round. Um, and, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, I know running backs are, are, are tough to project, but, you know, there is a lot of talent there. Greg Ciano has, you know, uh, boasted that he, he, he thinks he, he's a pro uh, caliber back. Um, you know, uh, Brendan White, I think we've seen enough out of him to, mm-hmm. to, to, know, to know that he's going to be in the camp. I don't know if he'll get drafted, but you know, I think he'll he'll have a pretty good chance. You know, has has size to pl- to play. You know, safety as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, but the Avery's Trey yeah, I was going to say a little bit too early on the on, on the cornerbacks. So, Trey Avery had a great first game. Haven't seen a whole lot out of him the last mm-hmm. two weeks. Um, Avery Young, another guy who, who you know is going to have a ton of experience by the time he graduates, might still be a little bit too too early to project him. And Valentino Ambrosio will be also one, I'm sure. All right. <laughs> He might be at MLS. I mean, he could be on the. I just want to say that. I just keep on. I just want to keep on saying that. Oh, Bo, Bo Melton. Bo Melton will. Well, you know, I mean, we've seen now that, you know, I don't know if he's going to be ready this year. I mean, remember, even though he's a senior, he'll have another year of eligibility. But, you know, I I think I've seen enough out of him now to to say, like, you know, he'll have a chance. All right. Uh, And finally, we'll do one more question. Curious if any insight has been given on the recent news of the governor of Michigan imposing new restrictions. Will the Rutgers game be played? I think it will be played, Cratch. Yes. But I think we are are barreling 
toward something here that, and we'll talk about it when we talk about basketball in a minute, but that it, it is, it is getting pretty foreboding with some of the numbers. Yeah, no, I believe that she, she, your governor Gretchen Whitmer said that a limited number of NCAA sports will be allowed to, to go on along with, you know, professional sports. So I would assume that means Michigan, Michigan state, you know, hoops and football right. and wrestling and, you know, the max schools there. No, I mean, look, I, I think that's, I tend to think that no governor is going to stand in, although, like, I think in New Mexico has basically had to move the operation to, like, t- Reno, Nevada. Yeah. Nevada. I, I don't Crazy. expect a Big Ten governor to say you guys can't play. I do think that once we get past uh, the end of the eight-game regular season and we get into that Champions Week thing and then the bowl season, I, I am curious to know, maybe not so much for Champions Week as for bowl season, if some of these schools are like, no, we're not doing this. I agree. Right. I yeah, agree with totally. You. totally. <clears throat> hey, that's right. great. We're five and four. We're at Iowa. We could go to the, you know, whatever the bowl name in Phoenix is this year, yeah. uh, but we're not going. Remember, remember with the bowl stuff too, you know, so much of that is about the practice. The coaches love to, to, to talk about the bowl game in, in itself is probably like the least uh, consequential thing for, for most uh, college football programs. They like having those 15 practices. They won't get that. You know, it really goes that's right true. from, Championships week to to, to 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 the bowl game. So, yeah, I, I I could very well see like Crash said if you're if you're playing you know a, a second tier bowl game where where they just pack them in pack them in. I don't think Rutgers will because I think it would be you, yeah. you know for for them it would be a good experience for them to you know even you know even a three and you know three and six or I, I could see them uh, going to a bowl game. All right, Michigan preview, fellas. And I don't know if you if you saw the any part of the Michigan Wisconsin game, but Spencer Hall, the great the great uh, sports writer from many different places, made what I thought was one of the funniest observations that when Jim Harbaugh had the mask over his, you know, the microphone of his headset, it looked like his mask had a boner. Which I mean <laughs> that 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 was that was pretty. And meanwhile, you know, on the other sideline, the guy's got the got the mask. He's got taped to his face, the cheek. I mean, it was just a great contrast. And that's why Michigan lost forty nine to eleven. Um, all right, we we all kind of have different feelings about where this game's going to go. Cratch, I'll let you make your pick first. Uh, hmm. I'm going to say Michigan thirty eight, Rutgers seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I just think I don't. I'm not sold that Michigan is as bad as everyone thinks they are. And I think they just have more talent than Rutgers. And I, I just think this may be a moment where uh, just a little bit too much for the Scarlet Knights at this point. If he's going to want to make a statement, too. I think that, that Harbo will not uh, – yeah, if he has a chance to put the points on, he will. All right, what do you think, Sarge? 35-20 Michigan. Um, okay. I, I think it's going to be closer, uh, you know, throughout the course of the game. Uh, won't be a complete blowout, but I think Michigan, you know, is, is going to be able to pull away. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go even higher than that. I think it'll be in the 40s. I mean, just, just based on where they've scored, and I just did not like what I saw from the Rutgers defense, which is they had been so good against the run, which is really what sort of was so jarring about it. And now you got the big bodies coming in for Michigan. Uh, this could be your 42-17 kind of result. Um, that doesn't mean again. And, you know, it, 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 I think it'll lead to a lot of, you know, fans jumping off overboard, and that's fine. It was probably what we would have expected. Uh, but you know these programs are just in, in different places right now, and, that, and it's going to take a while for for Shano, even with Michigan at where it is now, it's going to take a while for Shano to climb the ladder and get it back to where it has to be to beat them. I, I was hoping we could finish with some basketball because we had basketball media day. Uh, Let's do it. 
and talk about a guy, and this is great. I mean, we've all, we, we have a text chain that we're going against. And the moment that Steve Pico comes on and starts talking about having the greatest season in Rutgers history at one point, <laughs> I mean, we, we, were, we all text each other at the same time. Like, wait, what did he just say? This is the guy who, you know, spent the entire year last year going, well, we were, we were remember, we were picked 12th in the Big Ten. And now to have that shift in what he's willing, I mean, crutch. I love it. I, I, why not embrace it? No, I do. Like, I mean, I, I think I texted you guys, like, I got to get a second question or a follow-up question. Because I, I said, I said, Steve, you know, you Rutgers had a team that went undefeated and went to the Final Four. Like, there's really not much more else to do beyond that. And I thought his answer was great that, you know, hey, we're in the Big Ten and Big Ten teams wake up at the start of the season and say they want to win a national title. Like, why shouldn't we? Uh, refreshing, I think. You know, as again sure. we discussed earlier, for so long, no one at Rutgers has ever wanted to put like a real expectation uh, on the board, and they should. You know, if you're the right. football team, you should want to go to the Rose Bowl every year. If you're the basketball team, you should want to go to the Final Four every year. You're you're in a big time conference. You're playing big time college athletics act big time right and it and it was telling to me it just it striking sorry is that the players also you know they're not talking about let's make the ncaa tournament <laughs> they're talking about let's get a good seed in the ncaa tournament i, I do want to i do want to ask you though do you think you think they're getting a little ahead of themselves or is that the is that the real expectation for this team yeah, I mean, I think it boils down to what was taken away from them, right? Yes, <laughs> that's absolutely true. That, that would have gone to the NCAA tournament yeah. a year ago. And they, you know, we, you know, you know, jerks like us in the media would, would ask them for the last two, three years about the NCAA tournament route. And, you know, they, by, you know, they had earned the right to be in the NCAA tournament, and it was taken away from them. So I, I have no problem with them being confident. I think, you know, what was left unsaid in, in Steve Peichel's answer, Cratch, is like he thinks that this is a team capable of winning the Big Ten. I mean, and and you know that you know he didn't say it, but you know I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna interpret it as him saying that again. We're in the Big Ten. You know, Big Ten. You know, uh, teams. You know, wake up thinking that they're you know that, that they can win a national championship. I think he thinks that they can win the Big Ten. Um, you know, look, it, it'll be 2021 by the time that you know, we get to that point. Hopefully, you know, we do get to that point. That's the but, big question. You know, yeah. So it won't be 2020 anymore. I can't say, well, strange things happen in 2020. But I'm telling you, this is, is, you know, is a team that I really think that you know, there, there's a lot of reasons to be confident. And I don't want to be the pandemic doom and gloom guy, although I have been that person, let's face it. But um, <laughs> I'd rather not be. But, I mean, you know, I had to ask Steve. I mean, I asked Steve Peichel about it. And, you know, here he is. This is, this is how crappy our country is. You know, he lost this opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament in March. You know, he, he figured now he'd be back. He'd have people back to normal in the rack. He's facing now the prospect that this team's going to be yanked off the court at any minute, really. I mean, that, that, let's face it, I, you know. You hope they can get a season in Cratch, and I, I know the news, at least there's a proactive idea to play the NCAA tournament in a bubble in, in, in Indianapolis that makes a lot of sense, but you have to get there. You have to get, you have to get teams through the regular season to, to have a you know, 64-team field. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the fact that it's now November 16th and they're supposed to start the season on the 25th and there's no – you know, we're nine days out and there's no schedule. I have a very hard time believing that there is going to be 
non-conference basketball games this year. Yeah. Just don't see how it's possible. All these mid-majors <laughs> are shutting down for two weeks. Even high majors, Syracuse now. I mean, maybe they still play the Big Ten ACC games just because there's TV money involved and, you know, Rutgers knows that Syracuse is going to be able to test at an adequate level, you know, but – yeah, I, I just I tend to think the the plan wrestling has in the Big Ten, which is that they're going to start after the new year and they're going to basically sprint through their their three months and have eight eight dates and go to the tournament and get it over with. I think that might be the best way for basketball to approach this. Wait till January first when the or maybe not maybe not that late. Maybe you wait till mid December when the campuses clear out. Play as many games as you can. Bank them. You know, just focus on on staying healthy, restricting travel, bubble the Big Ten tournament. Then Selection Sunday happens, and everyone else goes who gets in goes immediately to Indianapolis and stays there until you've got a champion. All right. Well, how do you so this? How do you seed this tournament? This is what I keep on going back to. You know, you're going to have some team that's going to have a you know a 24 and seven record. I mean, that's probably high, but you know, you have other teams that are only going to play 15 games. I mean, it just it's just, it just seems like there's going to be. It's just going to be really hard to find a way to get these teams on an even playing field to, to come up with your bracket in March. Well, yeah. I agree uh, with Rick Pitino and, and Coach K. I think every team should be in the field. Oof. I, just because I think that's the only way you're going to have true parity and, and fairness. But another thing I think they should look into is do true regions. Yeah. Literally divide, the, even though it's all in Indianapolis, divide it up by the part of the country. Right. You know, but I think at the end of the day, the best teams are going to win in this setting, especially when we're talking about a bubble. I can't imagine it's going to be like normal years where you play Thursday, Saturday, and then if you make the Sweet 16, you're not on the court again until next Thursday. I have to think there's going to right. be a, uh, a sped up time frame here, especially with, with courts being only so available so much. So I tend to think the cream is still going to rise to the top. But that being said, it is going to be a challenge. They have to do something, Sarge, because they cannot lose that money again. That's certainly part of it as well. And that, that's what we're talking about right now is, 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 is all going to lead down to, down to that. They're, they can't lose that. It's billions of, of dollars that the NCAA yeah. fans lose. They are not going to do it. I'm, I, I'd be surprised if they don't try to bubble them even sooner. I, yeah, to be honest with you, I, I, I think you know, it's that important for them to, them, them to have an NCAA tournament. Right. Well, I tell you, and I, I, I really hope that there is a basketball season because, you know, it's just the way this team ended the season last year, uh, you know, everything I hear about a few people, Jacob Young, number one, he, that he's, he's really starting to look at the part, you know, and the freshmen too, that, you know, I, I you know, I, I think they're going to lose something in Yaboa. I think he was a key glue guy, but from by all accounts, you know, they're, they're, they're 11 deep, they're talented. I mean, the expectations are there for a reason. Final thoughts from either of you guys? What do you think? Are we ready to wrap this up? Yeah, I mean, women's basketball, you know, another, you know, I, I think you know, they're, they're, they're going to have some talent. Um, and, you know, Vivian Stringer, you know, Cratch broke some news uh, the other day in that, uh, you know, this won't be her final year. I mean, she's, you know, every year we go into this saying, oh, you know, this is year 50 for her. Year 50 coaching, which is absolutely incredible. Um, and I think that they're going to be improved as well. And Cratch, you want to you know add anything on wrestling? Yeah, no. I'm look. I think this is a really exciting year for wrestling. I think the vibe around that program is hopefully the country can kind of stay healthy and stay together because if it can, 
Rutgers wrestling is, is in position to have the best season it's ever had. You know, with the eligibility waiver, you're going to have Suriano and Rivera both in the lineup. Uh, John Poznanski, who just took second out of Omaha at junior nationals, is doesn't have to redshirt. He's going to be in the lineup. He's a guy who they think can kind of be an NCAA caliber kid immediately. Uh, they'll just be top to bottom, the strongest lineup they've had. Everybody on deck. Don't need to worry about depth. So it's just a case of can this can everything kind of stay together enough for these highly anticipated seasons to play out. You hear what you hear what Crasher said, Plenty? He said, Wear a freaking mask. That's what he said. Because you're not, not having Thanksgiving at grandma's house. You're Don't gonna put it. a Swanson's dinner in the oven and you're gonna <laughs> you're not gonna have this big cat. You're not gonna do your Black Friday shopping. You're gonna do it online. <laughs> And then you're going to have a big wrestling season. That's what Chris No, a big Rutgers wrestling season. I mean, right. you know. You're have a big everything. I mean, <laughs> I will be honest with you. I Your own turkey. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> if we're going to even, like, the college, like, there's going, like, they'll get to the end of the college football season. But it's going to be a mess. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be. It is a mess. It's an ongoing you know? mess. And, yeah. and the thing that I don't understand is it doesn't seem like there's any, like, foresight or realization of like what the mess is right you know, yeah. like you look at the sec and it's like oh well you know it's like what why are you even playing like this is very silly in the grand scheme of things but like why are you even bothering to play divisional crossover games at that point you know like yeah <laughs> it's like you got to give up at some point and i think that that's what we're gonna have to see happen. the other thing too is you know the Mac just canceled its first game. The Pac-12s had issues. At some point, one of these leagues, not the Big Ten, because the Big Ten is just all in at this point. Um, and that's another thing. Another final thought I have. For, if Ohio State does not go undefeated and get to the college football playoff, what a disaster for the Big Ten. Yeah. Because the league is so bad this year that I don't even think they're going to have another team capable of being in a New Year's Six Bowl by the end. Wow. All right. Good final thought. Steve Politi, James Kratz, Keith Sargent signing off. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to recap the Michigan game. Bye-bye.